Hey everyone, business owners, ladies, entrepreneurs, mothers, and maybe even a few men. I'm Megan Lockhart, the creator of Hello Life Academy, and welcome to our show. I'm gonna talk about all things life and business with a little bit of mom stuff too, every Monday and Friday. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and tag us on social media using hashtag Hello Life Academy so we can celebrate everything that you're doing in your life and business. Enjoy the episode and check out more resources at hellolifeacademy.com. Good morning, everybody. I have Stephanie Zamora with, with us today, and I'm over the moon excited to be chatting with her about her book, Unravel, Rising Up and Coming Back from a Season of Living That Damn Near Killed Me. So good morning, Stephanie. Good morning. Thank you for having me. I can't tell you how excited I am. Like I just read your book this morning and as I was reading it, I'm thinking, holy Hannah, this <laughs> needs to be like, I, I, I say this a lot, but I really truly from the bottom of my heart mean this. I, I feel like every woman needs to read this book. Wow. Thank you. That's, that's a big, <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. You know, um, to kind of start, the whole process of rewiring your brain happened a lot in this book. Yeah. And I can't wait for you to share your story with us and with everybody listening. So tell us a little bit about the book and about where you're at right now, and then we'll kind of good dive right in. Awesome. Yeah. So the book is really about the last five years of my life. I guess it would be um, from 2014, end of 2014 to end of 2018. What happened was I was in a period of my life where I was really starting to get traction. So I was feeling really good about what I was building in my business. I had launched a couple programs. I also have a design leg to my business and was just doing really well. I was making really good money. Um, I had a great team. I was offering packages that, and programs that I was really excited about to people I was jazzed to work with. And I had like three to four months of income at any given time in advance. I was just doing so well, you know, relative to how I had done starting my business over the years yeah. prior. And at that time, decided to end a two-year relationship with somebody that I loved, but just it wasn't right for me anymore. And he began showing up. So he began to stalk me for a couple of weeks. And in the last encounter that we had, I very clearly, for the first time in my life, it was really the first time I had set a clear boundary like that. Yeah. But I very clearly asked him to leave me alone. And he ended up committing suicide a couple of days later. Yeah. And it absolutely flattened me. And I think that that can be a confusing thing because yes, he was somebody that I had broken up with. Yes, there was a big possibility I never would have seen him again, but mm -hmm. he was somebody that I loved and cared about and took up a great deal of space in my life for a couple of years. And so I was actually in Hawaii for the holidays when I got the news. And I write about this in the book, but I remember that moment so vividly cracking open and just falling to my knees literally in the garage of my mom's house trying trying not to wake anybody up when I got the news but that was just one of those moments where a line was drawn in the sands of time that I my life separated into the before and after and I didn't know the immensity of that moment but it was when everything changed and so I ended up having pretty bad PTSD which I, I didn't know was a thing that you could get from loss um, yeah. but it's actually very common with sudden bereavement and with suicide. And with that PTSD, my memory started failing me pretty rapidly and pretty severely. So I couldn't put my own life story in order. I couldn't remember when I did the day before. Um, I would listen to people tell me things and just kind of smile and nod blankly because I would forget 
as they said the words, what they were saying to me. And if I hadn't had my business manager, um, I wouldn't have been able to work at all because I didn't know who half my clients were anymore, let alone what I was doing for them. Um, and it got to the point that I would drive in circles around my house because I would forget in the time it took to lap the block that I was going home. Wow. So it was, it was really pretty severe. Um, you, and you had this sentence that really kind of made me stop in the book. You said, I had no idea how much I was about to lose yeah. in order to expand in all the ways I desired yep. at that moment. And it, it was really, you know, in the book, your words are beautiful, but that sentence kind of made me stop and I wanted to highlight it. And, yes. and so that loss led you to so much expansion and you use that word expansion. Um, yes. that, that was your word for what year was that? So it was my word for 2015. And I always set my guiding word at the end of the year before. So I had just set that word before he passed away and everything happened. And, and that is a very important line. And I talk about it later in the book in the chapter on, um, are you willing to suffer for it? Is it sometimes yeah. we, we think we're asking for, um, something reasonable, something within our reach, something within the realm of possibility. And we don't understand that in order to get the things we desire, sometimes there's a lot that we have to walk through and experience and even lose in order to become the person that we need to be for that. And so that was, yeah, my word for 2015 was expansion. And I did not realize that. How powerful I, that would be. Yeah. So your business manager, so at the time you had a great team. Yes. Um, so yeah. yeah, my business died a slow death over that first year after he passed. And it was partly because of the PTSD. I couldn't really be in my business anymore the way I had before. But also because energetically, like so much about me had changed in that moment that I got the news and I just wasn't aware of it that I could energetically like deter people from working with me. So if you came to me and you were like, I want to give you this check right now, I want to pay right now for a website, where do I do that? Just by me telling you where to do that, I would somehow energetically like deflect everyone. And so my business just screeched to a halt um, and died a slow death over that first year. And I, you know, I talk about in the book how eventually that did lead to a bankruptcy. So I really struggled over those first few years. And I really was clinging to everything that I had built and everything that I had before. And it, it took really learning how to let go of mm. everything that I built and reorient to my work in a new way and figure out what I wanted to come next. And I had to let go and lose so much in order to do that. And I was really, really committed to seeing it through. So there's a point in the book where I talk about running out of money in the middle of Iowa <laughs> yeah. um, in the middle of the night on the way to an event with my mentor and thank goodness he was there. I don't, I don't know what I would have done, but I, I had to run out of money and I had to bottom out. And thankfully I didn't have mouths to feed. I think that's important to note that I, I really only had myself and a couple of cats to take care of. <laughs> um, I did have a business. I still had my business manager that I felt um, responsible for providing some income to, but there wasn't a lot that I had to take care of. And so I was really committed to seeing it through. Yeah. Somebody, my mentor actually suggested maybe it's time to get a job when that happened. And I said, <laughs> no, like I'm, I'm willing to lose everything in order to figure out like, what is the purpose of all of this that I'm walking through? Yes. That's an amazing thing for, for you to experience such loss and for you to still see and understand 
I, I need to see this through, whatever that seeing it through is. Because at that time, you're just looking, you're like, I don't even know what this means. Yep. Uh, you talk about your mentor, and that's a huge part of the book that I love is the whole community aspect. Yeah. And, and I do want to talk about that a little bit because I find a lot of us who are grieving are start to isolate ourselves. Yes. So, you know, tell us about that mastermind and the mornings and all those good things. That, what got you through that, you know, going to the community and showing up? Yeah, so that was actually a networking group that I was a part of, and I had joined it just before my loss, so a couple months before, and I had joined it because I wanted to start getting more local clients, and it never occurred to me, actually, to leave the group, even though it was incredibly painful to go because I was so broken and so grieving. I had PTSD, and I would have to pull at my fingers until they ached. Like I would pull at them under the table just to sit still through the meetings because my, I had never had anxiety before my loss um, and was experiencing pretty severe anxiety as well. And honestly, it served as this pillar for me, as this thing that kept the weeks going. And yes, there were other things in my life, but when you're an entrepreneur you know, unless you have a brick and mortar, you have an office to go to, or you have grown your company to a point that you have set office hours with your team, um, you know, we kind of, our schedules can be all over the place. And so for me, it was this place of grounding at the same time that it was also incredibly anxiety producing and isolating because I wasn't, I didn't tell very many people about my loss and the people I did tell, I didn't give a lot of details. It was just, I lost somebody close to me um, and had to go to the funeral when we came back from the holiday break. But I am so grateful that I did. And I feel like it's one of those kind of divinely guided things of I just, I just kept going and I didn't question it. And even though it was painful, it didn't feel wrong. And ultimately that led to me creating a new community and I'm so grateful for that space. I met my mentor there and I had met him right before everything happened. So he and I sat down for coffee and talked about business because he was a business coach. And I had asked him to be my mentor, but never, nothing ever came of it because quickly after I went through my loss and about seven months after my loss was when I finally came to him because he also does some deeper healing work alongside the business coaching and let him know what had happened. And he said to me like, oh, that makes so much sense because he had noticed that suddenly whatever made me me was gone. And even though I was there every week, it's like something, something had taken me away. And I also worked with the acupuncturist. You know, I was connected to a lot of great people in the group who helped me in ways that I, I didn't know I would need when I first joined it. And I think, you know, to speak to that isolation piece, when we're feeling that way, I, as hard as it is, I think it's really, really important to start saying what's true. Yes. And I, it wasn't always a conscious choice for me to do that. There was a lot that happened in my grief and healing that was kind of instinctual and was basically out of my hands. <laughs> it just was things that needed to happen that I allowed to happen. And the more that I opened up about what I was going through and what I was feeling, the more able I was to get the support that I needed and the more quickly I saw who was and wasn't going to be there with me. So at the same time, I was also in a mastermind group um, with some, some friends in the area that I had gotten connected to again, right before he died. 
And it was the same thing. I remember coming back from the holiday group to the first mastermind meeting and the guy who organized it, who's now a very, very close dear friend asked how my holiday was. And I just blurted out everything that happened. Wow. And it's hard because a lot of people are going to get that wrong, right? Whatever it is that you're going through that's hard and challenging, a lot of people are going to be too uncomfortable with their own feelings and experience mm-hmm. that they're going to say really insensitive, passive, fluffy mantra things that we like to say, <laughs> like everything happens for a reason. Yeah. Um, God or the universe never gives us anything we can't handle. So putting ourselves in the position to hear those things is, is terrifying and painful. Yeah. And it helps us weed out who are the people that are going to be there for us. Because if you're dismissive of what it is that you're going through, you Mm. never give the right people the opportunity to really show up for you. Yeah, that's, that's so true. Yeah. I I wouldn't have the community that I, I have had I not been consciously or not able to just blurt about all the horrible things I was going through. Yeah. And, and you know what, that's, that's so important. If we don't give people the opportunity to show up for us, it's really difficult for us to find those strong communities. Yeah. And, and sometimes we just say, oh, like, I'll just, I don't want to say it because it's awkward. It makes other people uncomfortable. Yeah. And I I just love that. Yeah. In the book, you, you do say, I just said it. It just came out. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's so interesting because sometimes we just don't have any control. No, especially when we're going through those more challenging experiences at some point, And I have a whole chapter on my honey badger phase. Yeah. Um, at some point for our own sanity, for our own healing, for our own growth, there's a tipping point, right? Like there just comes a point at which you can no longer operate in a way that makes other people comfortable and you have to start putting yourself first. And it's really scary, partly because of the potential loss and isolation, which there was a lot of loss for me. I do want to talk about uh, in one of the chapters, and, and you know your chapters inside it out, but Skip, Skip pushed you and said, what needs to be said that can't be said? Yes. And I, I feel like that taps into a lot of people, whether they're, they're going through, you know, any kind of loss or just where they're at in their life. But what needs to be said that can't be said, that completely changed you, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And that was, so Skip does a really powerful type of process work. And a big part of that is basically bringing to this metaphorical campfire in your mind, anyone, including younger versions of yourself that you need to have conversations with to process out feelings, to, empty out to reach ultimately forgiveness of them or the situation and yourself. And it's, it's all about how we take these experiences and these feelings and these memories and emotions and we stuff them down. Um, and that gets embedded into us physically. It, it causes illness and disease and pain and all of these things that are embedded into our cells. So it's working with cellular memory to release those. And my PTSD was a result of the sudden bereavement. It was a result of feeling trapped. There was several days that I was just kind of like trapped in my mom's guest room. I felt like not wanting to engage with the world. And also because I hadn't expressed what really needed to be expressed because when somebody dies, when somebody kills themselves on top of that, yeah, there are things that you feel, but you feel like you can't say. And it was so important to say that. And for me, it was a matter of saying like, 
being really mad at him for messing up my life. Yeah. And it's hard to own that because of course I'm devastated that he died. Of course I understand logically everything that was happening and what grief is and, and all of these things, but there was still this part of me deep down that was so upset with him for yeah. messing up my life the way that he did for the fact that it was in a total tailspin, that my business was dying, that I had no memory, that everything was changed, everything that I was going through. And we have to say those things, mm -hmm. especially when it comes to grief and loss. And we grieve for a lot of different reasons. It doesn't always have to be a death or a loss. It doesn't always have to be that sudden and traumatic, but with grief, we have anger and anger is often irrational. Uh, it doesn't, mean it's invalid. It doesn't make it wrong and bad. It just means that it's there and all emotions just need to be expressed. And so I needed to own that. And I really, really did not want to. And he did, he did push me. I actually, I actually thought he was yelling at me. <laughs> um, he says that he wasn't, but it felt like he was yelling at me because I was just like, nope, I am not going there. I am not saying this. I'm not allowed to say this. I'm not allowed to feel this. And we have to own those feelings that are ugly and that are dark and that we're not proud of and that don't feel good and that other people would judge because we have to express them. And if we don't, we stuff them down and they make us sick. And for me, it caused a lot of my PTSD was denying a lot of these feelings and experiences. You know, I'm so, I'm just meeting you right now, but I'm so happy that you had that safe spot with him like yes. to communicate and and I'm just thinking when was the last time that that a lot of us actually got to express what what really needs to be said yeah and it's probably one of the most important pieces in our in a, in our life right now like find somebody that you can say the things that need to be said yes so you you know you you had that happen and then what started to change for you after you got that out so it gave me a good chunk of my brain back almost overnight. Um, wow. I, I swear up and down by Skip and his work and also by that form of process work and process work in general. Um, you know, I had an hour and 45 minute session with him and the next day woke up and, and had more of my memory back was, was able to start remembering certain things I had lost over the previous seven months and little bits and pieces was able to work. So right before I had that process with him was my breaking point. I was trying to build a website, which I had done for several years and I was good at, but I couldn't remember how to code. And I just sat there in front of my laptop and cried because it was like, I didn't, I didn't know what to do. I couldn't even go and Google things to try to learn them because I would forget in the time it took to go from one tab to the other. I didn't know what I was going to do. And that's why I had asked him for help. And so I did get my memory back a big chunk of it. And then it just, it took it took more healing work. It took going through a lot more um, <laughs> yeah. to get my brain back to where it is today. My brain doesn't function the way that it did before, but it is much stronger and I have a much more solid memory and I'm able to remember things and I have different processes for things. But quite frankly, I still had a lot more healing to go through because I had developed the PTSD and I had cracked so far open that I found myself in a very toxic um, and at times abusive relationship with somebody who I blindly believed was the love of my life. And mm -hmm. 
when we go through, there's a term in post-traumatic growth work that I love that's called energy boundary rupture. Yeah, I, I, I had that written down. I was like, that's an amazing yes. word. <laughs> yes. And when I learned about that, it was a few years after my loss. I was like, that is exactly what happened because energy boundary rupture, the idea behind it is that when a trauma or experience is so intense, it basically ruptures the boundary between realms or consciousness or energies, whatever, however you want to wow. view it. And so when I look back, my loss had cracked me so far open. My heart was so open that I loved Roger on this, like my soul mm -hmm. loved his soul. My heart loved his heart, like at the core of our essence as beings, spiritual yeah. beings in the world. Like I could feel that pure love completely um, unaware of the fact that it was the absolute worst situation I could have walked into. Um, but that happens in the aftermath of traumatic events and grief and loss when we're going through these big life transitions that leave us disoriented and crack us, break us open. It's like the connections are so much different and it can be harder when you don't have a brain to help you out yeah. to make sense of situations. So I still, I still had a lot more to go through <laughs> before I got all of my brain back. That's, that's amazing. And you write about, you know, Roger in the book and, and, mm -hmm. you know, it, he's not a character because he's a real person, but in the book, I'm, I'm captivated by your relationship. I'm yes. reading it and I'm thinking, <laughs> I was like, what, what, what is she doing? <laughs> like, but at the same time, like, I'm not going through that, but I'm sure so many readers stop and think what's going on here. And then you, yeah. you kind of explain that energy boundary rupture, which is a new term I've never heard of. And, and I think, I think the awareness that you bring to it is going to be powerful in, in everybody's life. Thank you. Yeah. I think it's an important topic. Um, I, you know, it's like you said, we don't have these hard conversations. We don't talk about hard feelings and things that need to be said that can't be said. And yeah. we also don't talk about like what happens to us in the aftermath of hard things, because often when that happens, you're in the middle of your own life, right? And you're just all of a sudden in the middle of your own life, completely disoriented and turned upside down. And yet everything is continuing on as normal. Yeah. And when you're not able to kind of reconcile what's happening internally with everything externally and everybody is reinforcing that like everything is the same and you're who you were before, it's, it's mm -hmm. very confusing. Yeah. And, and you kind of, there's, there's just so many good, good things about, about your story, which probably didn't feel like good things obviously <laughs> at the time, but the loss of your business and you yeah. took, you took down everything. Yes. And I want, I want you to explain you know, that process for, for us and for me, because that to me, I did, I read it. I was like, whoa, <laughs> whoa, I, I, you know, you have a sentence in there that I've said to myself, I would never do that. Yeah. So I remember watching a lot of my friends in the online space, pull their really successful programs down and be like, what kind of crazy makes you do that? Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why would you do that? I never understood it. And I never thought I would do it. And, you know, I had been trying so hard to get my business to come back to life. I rebranded things because I'm a designer. So I can, like, I just, I redid all the sites and, and I tried to relaunch things, but every time I would, I would do all the work to put it together and send out the first email to my list. And then just, that was it. It was yeah. just like, Nope, I don't have, there's no energy behind this. There's no life. Nobody would buy anything from me. Uh -huh. Um, I even asked my list that was several, several, many thousands of people at the time. Um, 
what is it that you want from me? If I did, I think what was popular around that time was the monthly memberships that were like yeah. seven to $14. Um, and so I did one of those and nobody gave me $7. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it would have been easy to be like, well, they suck. And I guess what I'm doing sucks, but it was just like, I knew energetically that I, I couldn't step into what was next. And I knew that there was something different that wanted to come forward that my work has always been around passion and purpose. And I knew that that was still true, but it just, I couldn't fit inside my own business anymore. I couldn't relate to my own work or my words. Um, I still believed in my programs. I still believed in everything I had created, but it was like, I couldn't get the space that I needed to figure out what was next because I was surrounded by so much of my old self. And so after I tried to launch that $7 membership thing, I was like, you know what? Like, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> and I, I deleted a good several thousand people off my list. Um, I pulled everything down. So I pulled down every single website except the design business because it was the only way that I was making some money. Yeah. Um, I pulled down everything. And if it had been easier to take everything off the end, internet and put it on a hard drive, I would have done that. <laughs> I wanted it to go away, but it wasn't that easy. And I, there was a sense of urgency that I had to do it now. So I, I archived things. I redirected them. I took it all down and my mentor skip, um, nearly fell out of his chair. I did it while he was away on business. And when he came back, I, I told him casually over coffee and he's a very animated person in general, um, but nearly fell out of his chair. And it wasn't like, and I remember telling him that it's not about what is best strategically. Yes. It's about what I need. And it was a terrible decision from a strategy perspective. I had so much juice in the rankings and the search engines. Um, you know, I had yeah. established these sites over seven years. There was so much content yeah. and I didn't care. I, I just, I couldn't. And once yeah. everything was down, I did spiral into a mini depression because I didn't realize how much my identity was wrapped up in being the person who was building that business with that voice, with that brand. Um, and it, it took a little bit of time. I think it was about a few months before I was able to finally get clear. And so I really swam in that pocket of unknown of, of not knowing who I was anymore, not knowing what I was doing Mm -hmm. Um, not having anything to strive for. I mean, I really let myself detach from even making money. I stopped striving to make money. Again, I didn't have mouths to feed. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting with the, the attachment to what you've built. Yeah. And, and I, I see so many of us doing that, that our work defines us when, yeah. You know, I, I was talking to somebody, and I'm just going to say this because I think it's so relevant. Uh, I was at a wine club the other night, and somebody said, well, they're not going to put that you made half a million dollars on your tombstone. Yeah. And I was like, oh, <laughs> you're right. Like, what is my legacy? Yeah. And, and you know, I love I, I had a love-hate relationship when I was reading that you let everything go. Because I was like, oh, no, that's so much work. <laughs> I know how much work that is. But then I thought wow, like how powerful is that release? Yeah. And it, yeah. Yeah. And it was the only way. So the first thing that came back online after I did that was brand new. So call the TV, which is all about rising up and coming back from the dark card chapters. Um, it still has the purpose theme. It's all about uncovering the purpose of your path, but 
I was only able to create that and get clear on that because I had taken everything else down. Like I had to get away from myself in a way that I don't think is easy to do or that people often understand. And everything has come back online since then. Everything has been reworked and I'm able to align it with what I want to do or I would have left it down. But I mean, it's, it's terrifying. It is not a strategic move from a marketing perspective um, or business wise, <laughs> but sometimes you just have to step away from yourself and everything that you've built in order to step into what's next. Yeah. And if there's, you know, strategy, we hear that word so often, like, is that the best strategy? Is this strategic? What should I do? And sometimes you just got to say like, no, like, no, I don't even want to hear the word strategy. (laughs) I wanted like my heart wants to be full and I need to do something different. And again, that hard conversation with what needs to be said. Yep. What needs to be done. And, and that's what I think is so hard about purpose work. Like you were saying the difference between being a success and really living your legacy and living your purpose is how, how committed are you to it? Because it doesn't always look the way that you want it to, or the way that you think it should. Sometimes it looks like total and complete failure. Sometimes it looks like letting go of everything that you have built, everything that you are known for, everything that you identify with. It looks like being a beginner and starting over. Um, It looks like struggle sometimes. I certainly struggled to get to this point and I feel very, very clear on my purpose and my work in the world. And I would not be here had I not been willing to do that, but that, you know, and I always, I always stress, do this work in the way that you need to while taking care of your life. Because again, you have kids. Um, Some people have spouses, they have mortgages. I was in a position that I was willing to lose the apartment I was renting, uh, but that might not always be something that you can do. So it's a balance. Yeah. And and I just, I I honestly just can't say it enough. I hope that everybody reads this book because it's so relatable and relevant to what most people are going through in their life. If not right now, they will experience something uh, like that maybe. And, and I just had so much fun, oddly, reading this book because I felt so connected to you. And I was like, I can't wait to talk to her and watch what happens. So where are you now? Yes. And kind of like, what's next? (laughs) Yeah, no, you know, I love my life and where it's at. And it it took a lot of hard work and even more loss to get here. Um, so in the book, I write about how the summer that I filed bankruptcy was also the summer that I had to that point made the most money I'd ever made in my business. Um, and the reason for that is, like I said, I ran out of money in the middle of Iowa and I knew I had to see it through. And two months later, I finally got my spark back and I finally started getting really clear on what it is that I wanted to do. And throughout the entire experience after my loss, being in that, um, toxic relationship, doing all the healing and growth work, everything with my business. And I had these burning questions that I couldn't let go of. And they were around purpose and around what it really takes to be who you're here to be and how oftentimes, not for everyone, I don't think that we all have to suffer to find our purpose, but for many of us, it takes truly challenging chapters to crack us open in order to become who we're here to be. Otherwise, we just kind of keep meandering along the path of life the way everyone else tells us that we should. And so I had been really digging into some hard questions, asking questions that I didn't feel like anybody could answer, um, that people told me I didn't need to be asking, and reading a lot and exploring a lot. And so I moved to the mountains um, all by myself at the end of the book, and I'm so happy where I am. I left 
everything and everyone behind. I mean, I still am connected to my good friends, but I came out here all by myself. Um, I met a really kind and caring man and have been very focused on building my company because what I want to do, I'm doing now and what I want to do. So I've repositioned my company as a media company that's focused on life purpose development. And because I have such a big body of work that I built over so many years, um, we help people do that at any point on the spectrum. And so I'm, I'm really trying to take the company and the work itself to the next level. At the same time, I'm getting ready to launch what I'm calling the Goldenrod Institute, which has a lot of significance and came from the deepest depths of my grief and my trauma in that time. And I left it out of this book because, <laughs> again, there's so much going on in that book that I, I really tried to keep it clear and <laughs> what would be yeah. most valuable for that story. But the Institute is really about taking the work that I've done and developing it into certification programs for coaches, taking it into schools and organizations and just getting it into more places because it's it's really about purpose and I'm really passionate about purpose because I believe especially after everything I've been through that we all come into this life with some seed of our purpose already hardwired into who we are and we go through life and life shapes us in ways that are both beautiful and challenging um, exciting and awful mm-hmm. and the analogy that I like to use the metaphor is glow sticks so we're all glow sticks, just like them. So glow sticks are fine and good, right? They, they, they're solid little chunks that take up space, but it's not until we bend them and crack them and break them that we see what color they're meant to be and we're able to illuminate the world around us with their glow. And I feel that way about people. And so I'm really passionate about helping people yeah. uncover the purpose of their path to really do this challenging work. Um, which is why I shared everything that I did in Unravel. I I wanted people to see that sometimes it gets worse before it gets better. Sometimes we have to lose everything we worked so hard for and let go of pieces of ourselves in order to step into who we're here to be. And so I'm really good. Um, I'm really happy. I have tremendous gratitude for everything I've been through. And I can say that genuinely. And I know that it's genuine because at the same time, it still breaks my heart that I am where I am because he died. Um, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I just have to say like, what a beautiful, uh, when you said I'm happy, I could feel that you're actually happy. Not that, Oh, I'm happy. I'm happy. It was, it feels so true. Yeah. And I still have a lot of healing to do. So I, mentioned this at the end of Unravel, I want to write a book on relationships and relationship trauma. I'm definitely still working out the healing from the relationship with Roger, but I'm so at peace with who I am and where I'm at. I have so much more trust and faith in myself that I can get through anything, that I can do hard things. We all as people can do harder things than we ever can imagine. Um, And I'm really clear on what it is I'm here to do. And so I'm really passionate about helping other people through these challenging chapters and big life transitions, like any point where you feel disoriented in your own life and work, because as horrific as they are, they're such beautiful opportunities to step into more of who we are. Yeah. And, and, you know, you know, you putting out this book and use you being yourself right now is going to help so many people step into that. So, you know, what a beautiful story, the truth, the honesty, everything. It's so refreshing to, to read and hear your story. So thank you so much for sharing it with me. Thank you for having me. I hope that was as good as it was for you as it was for me. That was so fantastic. Thank you for being an amazing human being and for listening to our show 
please leave a review so that we can always improve and make sure that we're doing a better job week by week for you. All the resources can be found at hellolifeacademy.com forward slash blog. I can't wait to hear what you thought about this week's show. It's just so